0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast. If this is your first episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I hope you guys are taking care of each other. I hope you're learning and growing during this period of, of uh, in history, this, this very strange lockdown pandemic situation. This is a weird opportunity for us to learn a little bit more about ourselves and grow if we can, but I'm going to get right into the episode. On today's episode, we're joined by Mike Salemi. He specializes in human performance and is a sought-after international speaker in the field of health and fitness. Mike has a diverse background in strength and conditioning and has competed over the course of 15 or so years um, in powerlifting and kettlebell sport. Um, Through his own path of resolving sports-related injuries, including shoulders and forearms and all sorts of stuff that he's, he's kind of been banged up, he understands the importance of integrating the body, mind, and the spirit as a means to foster high performance for the long term. Um, he's motivating. He works with, uh, colleges and, uh, and some professional athletes. I mean, the dude is a beast and he is the go-to guy for kettlebells. Some backstory. Um, if you don't know who Paul check is, you should, um, you should, you should know, but ask somebody. Uh, Paul check is amazing. Um, and Mike studied with Paul check for a while and still is very close with him. And, and Paul has, has, uh, contributed to Mike's online course for kettlebells, which is called a uh, kettlebell lifestyle. Paul check is a world renowned expert in the fields of corrective and high performance exercise and kinesiology, stress management, and holistic wellness. Um, he's like almost, you know, he's, he's 50 some odd and he's ripped with a six pack. And, um, these guys, these guys approach to wellness is, is similar in the way that it looks at the whole system, the whole body, how are you taking care of your emotional self? How are you taking care of your body? How can you perform at your highest level? This is a killer episode, and it's a killer episode for a couple of reasons. Not only do I really like the way that Mike thinks about performance, the body, but we talk about some really practical things that you can do to sort of get back into a workout groove. Where do you start? What's going to be the minimum effective dose? How do you get going again? I think all of us are looking for solutions during this time while we're home, and he gives them to you. In this episode, we cover a ton of cool stuff. And also he's got a special offer for you. If you are interested in, if you have a kettlebell at home, or if you want to order a kettlebell and work out at home, because you can't go to the gym yet, uh, by the time this is published, uh, you can go to kettlebelllifestyle.com and use the code OPP15 for 15% off access to this super comprehensive kettlebell course. It's also custom to you. So if you are not feeling super uh, motivated, or if you're a little sore, um, that you fill out this questionnaire that which qualifies the workout that you'll do in that day. Um, Mike is very, very organized, really amazing attention to detail. And this kettlebell course apparently is, is insane. And Paul check contributes some stuff to it too. You know, he's the go to guy for kettlebells. He's been on on it podcast and Aubrey Marcus and uh, Ben Greet Ben Greenfield podcast. The dude is just, he's a stud. Uh, and he's also a very, very cool guy in this podcast. We talk about why you need to move. We talk about how you can restart some of your movement practice during this time of quarantine. We talk about processing emotions through simple, simple movements. We talk about the work of Paul check, what he learned from Paul, what, how he can continues to learn from Paul, how trusting your gut and committing yourself to learning something is just about the most important thing that you can do. We talk about focusing on movement for clearing emotion, for really clearing emotion um, through your entire body. We talk about inner work, we talk about rituals and working out, and he gives you a very specific body weight exercise plan that you can start doing today to just sort of keep your body um, moving during, during this time when you have to be at home. Um, we also talk about how the importance of tracking your movements to understand how you've been doing, what you've been doing, what exercise do you do to keep your body uh, functional at this point. You know, um, we talk about exercise as a stress modality, as a stress reliever modality, really, really awesome. Um, I would suggest that you listen to this episode at one and a half or two X speed because Mike is very clear, um, Um, but he's, he's a little slower in the way that he delivers his information. Um, not, not that he speaks slowly, but this, this would be a good podcast that you could listen to at one and a half or two X speed to get through it faster. Um, if you do what I do, um, I'm so excited to to release this episode to you. I'm so excited to be at the full reins of this podcast. And the website is coming soon, and I am going to have a special offer for you guys to go check out the website. I just want you to go check out the website, and when I do, I'm going to have a really cool offer for you guys that I know you're going to love. It's so awesome. Um, Before we jump into the episode, I just want to shout out to two of the sponsors that make the show possible. If you're not wearing blue light blocking glasses already, and you've heard me talk about it, you've seen the other biohackers do it. If if you don't have them yet, you are really you're totally missing out. The advanced blue light lenses from Blue Blocks B L U B L O X are Australian lab made anti blue light glasses to be worn during the day when you're exposed to artificial blue light. Uh, The blue light computer glasses filter down the blue light and eliminate glare, which reduces digital eye strain, headaches, stress levels, leaving your eyes and mind feeling refreshed. They're simple, they look good, and they are effective. We are home looking at screens a lot right now, and you will notice a drastic change in how your eyes feel and it will reduce your headaches if you get headaches from looking at screens all day working on your computer because you're inside like me and they're massively effective i mean uh, i can't tell you enough the, the blue locking blue blocking glasses uh, are are one of my favorite biohacks and blue blocks has offered a 15 percent off if you go to blublox.com and use the code opp you're going to get 15 percent off your first purchase it is worth every cent of buying these i'm telling you and plus the the models actually look they look really cool like they're very stylish very purposeful so go to blueblocks.com use the code opp and follow them on instagram this episode of the podcast is also brought to you by natural stacks you know them you've heard them they make open source third party tested with ingredient traceability natural supplements to help you live optimal i mean for real you should be taking vitamin D right now. If you're inside, I don't care if you're in the higher latitudes like I am in Seattle or if you're in uh, you know the tropics, you probably need to be taking vitamin D because you're spending a lot of time inside. So go to naturalstacks.com and use the code OPP15 for 15% off your first online purchase. The vitamin D is just sort of something that you should be taking every day anyway, in addition to magnesium, but especially for people who are kind of stuck inside like all of us are. um, This is is the time to do it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. This is a really great conversation. We go, uh, this is all about performance. This is all about how you can get your body right through movement, what you can be doing, how you can be doing it so that you can get your body tuned up. Summer's around the corner and we're stuck at home. So what are some ways that we can be our best right now? And there is no better guy for the job than our guest. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Mike Salemi. And we're here with Mike Salemi, performance specialist and creator of Kettlebell Lifestyle. And my friend, Mike, welcome to the Optimal Performance Podcast.
1: What's up, Roger? Thank you so much for having me, man. I'm excited to be here and freaking stoked to chat it up with you.
0: Yeah, this is cool because this is going to give us an opportunity that we have not had yet to which is to like drill down on some stuff, to go deep on some stuff. You know, we've we've known each other for a little bit, and we sort of know what we what each other do, but not like so. This is going to be this is perfect. Um, I like to start with the same question, especially for people who are performance oriented, like yourself, experts in uh, in the field of performance and nutrition. I'm just curious. Um, what time is it? Where you are? And what have you put into your body?
1: That's a good question. So right now I'm in uh, California, the Bay Area. It's 2:25 p.m. and I'm sipping on some bone broth, baby. I'm sipping on a, a nice thing of homemade bone broth that my sister-in-law made for me. And um, it seems to be there's. I mean, you can see the color of it right now. It's like she puts turmeric and and. Man, I think they do like a process where it's like 36 hours roasting the bones and all the vegetables, fennel. So today is um, when I'm doing days of heavy work and a lot of cognitive work, I honestly don't like eating a lot. So what I find is when I eat a lot of um, meat or heavier type foods, it slows me down a little bit mentally. So knowing that we had our podcast and such today and I wanted to make sure I was sharp and ready. For the most part, I've had bone broth throughout the day. I had uh, two dates uh, from her her date farm, and then this morning, um, just two two sunny side up eggs. That was it. So some fat, some stuff to keep me going during the day, but nothing nothing crazy.
0: Nice. Yeah, it, most most folks have a similar answer. Who are you know um, performance specialists? You know the, the not so much the authors and the doctors really. You know that I have, but but for, for people who are. Uh, performance specialists, masters of their craft, like they have similar answers. They'll they'll either eat very little or nothing at all or
1: just be buzzing on nothing but coffee. Do you drink coffee? Uh, I do actually. I did have i I'm sorry. I did gotcha. actually. I'm a, a, you got me, you got me. And how could I forget? How could I forget? I'm um, actually, um, I had a, a really short shot of espresso and uh, with a little bit of butter this morning uh, early with those eggs, yeah.
0: Any vitamins or nootropics or anything like that?
1: You know what, to be honest, not really. From time to time, the only one that I usually do take is um, uh, wise, uh, from Neurohacker Collective, Qualia. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the only one that I will take from time to time for like when I'm presenting or stuff like that. Uh, and I've gotten really, you know, for me, it feels really good and it tends to support. But even with stuff like that, like I'm honestly not a huge supplement guy. So me to even me say like I take that supplement for me is a, is a big statement. Usually everything's just whole foods uh, for the most part, not not this year, but I would grow my food in the back, go to, um, for me, the best supplement in the world. So I support local farms and uh, especially right now, Belcampo Meats. And uh, I'll do like, dude, there is nothing, nothing for me personally that I've noticed an actual uptake in my vitality, how I feel, how I perform than grass fed, grass finished liver. Yeah. Like, no supplement in the world, I mean, I know supplements, quality I feel, but like a lot of supplements from, I don't even know, X, Y, and Z, multivitamin, that, I honestly never really felt anything, but liver, dude, I'm like Captain America, or like Wolverine it feels like after.
0: Do you uh, do you gut it raw? How
1: do you do it? So I've done it in multiple ways, and it It probably will gross most people out, but you're smiling, so I think, I know we're, we're kindred spirits in this one but uh i used to just chop a little bit raw and throw it in a shake and blend it up uh but lately basically what it is is uh, i really love it with uh ground beef and so usually for like a two pound pack of ground beef i would say it comes out to maybe like a size of an ice cube and then i mince the liver like really really good and then i'll mix it with the ground beef and some onions and that's usually how i've been taking uh, so nothing nothing crazy not a lot but three days a week, two to three days a week. And I can honestly say it, for me, at least it feels pretty, pretty significant.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed that too. And, I, and and that's how I, that's how I feed it to my kids is I sneak it into grass fed, um, burger, you know, and we do, you know, burger, no bun or, um, yeah. So I mince it up what I've been doing. And this is like, I guess the last couple of months and it's two or three times a, a week, uh, is I'll, I'll just, I'll take, um, you know, it usually comes in like strips that are like six or eight inches long, and they're you know half an inch thick. I'll take a whole like little strip of it, and and not dice it, but just sort of like cube it up, and then I'll just well well I'll just drink it like I'm taking pills, and I'll just put two or three chunks and just drink it down raw, because um, I've heard that that's I mean that's the most nutrient dense way to consume it, um, and it grosses out every. I mean, my wife she's just like. She'll, just, she'll like look at me in the corner of my eye and she's like, again? I'm like, yeah, two a couple times a week, yeah. She's like, oh man, because it's so minerally. And then it's, yeah, and my kids are like, are you just like swallowing raw meat, dad? Like, yeah, don't act so surprised that like, <laughs> I can do it
1: again. Yeah. The kid, this is, that's level two for you. Right now you guys are at level one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they don't even know, but you're just like, okay. well, it's funny, I think for anyone interested, I think it was Chris Kresser who did an article and just like broke down uh, just the, the, the nutrition facts and etc. on grass fed, grass finished liver. And then I don't recall what he compared it to, but if I, it was something like some other, um, I don't even know, like a vegetarian food that basically was touted as like, you know, something that has a tremendous amount of nutrients and it's pretty striking. And so it's not surprising that, I mean, just a little bit goes a long way. Yeah. So however someone wants to eat it, but I love that you're doing that raw in that way. I'm, I'm going to take a page out of that book and <laughs> yeah.
0: I'll do it i i yeah i i i've got a pretty strong stomach and and no gag reflex um so i i mean i can it's it's it got me in trouble in, in college uh because i'd get into beer chugging contests in college like you know uh, <laughs> like two or three beers in a beer bong would go down like that um actually made kind of a lot of money on it in college because we we we'd set up bets you know, we'd go to house parties and they'd bring in the heavyweight and like we just take bets. One night we made six hundred bucks
1: on the beer
0: chugging contest with me. Yeah, anyway. Uh,
1: <laughs> all right, liver chugging contest is next. We're gonna start a new fad. Yeah, right. You know, wash it down with some bone broth and like, like let's go. Let's go. I'd <laughs> <That'd> go girl. <laughs> so
0: I would love for you to give everybody a little bit of a, a high level sort of Mike Salemi origin story. You know, your life path I think is very interesting because I know that you got started in your craft early. You know, you 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 found great mentors. You learned from the best. You committed to your to your trajectory, and and I think it's a really unique and I think it's a really interesting story, especially for folks who are like under thirty who are listening right now. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're an expert in, how you got there? And, and how was it that you have, um, begun to continue to grow within your sort of level of expertise, please?
1: I love that, man. And, And one of the words that you shared was trajectory. And so like when you first shared that word, one of the things that came up for me was like, if I were to look at least my life, you know, from when I first started getting into movement, which was as a young age, as a gymnast, and I had a uh, a silver medalist from Bulgaria as my coach, not when I was that young, but a few years later, when I look at from the the series of events that started then, which I would say were probably the most shaping moments of my life as an early age that were put me on this path, the trajectory is not linear. And looking back, like the trajectory, and even now, like every single day, like I'm, I'm making mistakes, I am learning, I am getting my butt kicked. But I truly do believe that if your part of your mission is to grow and to continue experiencing deeper or just more you know more beauty in life like you're going to be challenged and you're going to even seek out challenges. I'm not saying that I want everything to be hard but I don't want things to be handed to me and so the trajectory is like this I would say in the long run it's in the upward direction but it's up and down and up and down and it's never been and in fact so I started as an athlete started as a, as a young kid as, as a gymnast and then competed there, I would say that was the the base for my understanding of movement and working through fears and understanding body control and what it means to be coachable and team and and what's interesting, and I was never a super high level gymnast, but to be honest, like for me, it doesn't really matter. Like it's, it's just like, what are the lessons? What do you learn from the environment that you're in? And thankfully my parents are the ones who put me in that environment and I think gymnastics, jujitsu, even wrestling are all great foundations for, for any kid to be in. You know, I, when I was approximately 14, I had a lower spine injury and that took me out of gymnastics. And then I had a growth spurt and I was never going to be an Olympian. So you have a, you know, hard talk with yourself and you realize, OK, this is not necessarily for me or as far as I want to go. But the person who rehabbed me. So at that point, at that moment in life, you know, if that's all, you know, and you're training six days a week, you know, sessions are at minimum three hours a night. It's like, that's your life. And then when that gets not taken away, but that becomes to a harsh, like, end due to an injury, you're, you're almost forced to either, you're forced to reinvent yourself or to find something to give yourself more meaning. And so from there, I transitioned into competitive powerlifting. And it was the, the person who actually was responsible for rehabbing me. Uh, chiropractor Dr. Mike Ludovico, who was uh, a drug-free bench press champion at that time of the world, he brought me into his basement powerlifting team. He's like, dude, you love, like my favorite part of gymnastics was conditioning. My favorite part of freshman year of football, which that's all the year I did, was like, I didn't want to be on the field. I was like third string running back. I was like, just leave me in the gym. Like, I don't want, you know, and then I realized how much I loved weightlifting and, and what the lessons I learned. And so this theme of sport you know to injury to powerlifting which i got injured as well to transitioning to olympic weightlifting to kettlebell sport these sports that i competed in each transition came through injury and so um that's what i would say i mean those injuries and those transition points were massive shapes shapers in terms of my philosophy now and and why i see performance not just in the physical realm but every other aspect mental emotional spiritual to support the physical so um, that's kind of w- w- a little bit about my background and, and how it shapes my viewpoint on performance right now.
0: Tell me about the the how you met Paul Check and 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 what he meant to you and your life because I think that's a name that that, that a lot of people are going to recognize.
1: Yeah, you know what's interesting is so when I was competing in powerlifting, it was a, a small, close knit powerlifting team, and just really blue collar guys, great guys, and one of my teammates in there. He his one of his best friends from high school owned a um, it had multiple names, but essentially it was like a holistic lifestyle and performance center. And this guy, Brian Champ, who I later partner in business with, was one of the first Czech practitioners in the Bay Area. I think he was the first or the very few like years ago. And he modeled his entire facility after Paul's teachings. And so he had all Czech practitioners in there, functional medicine people, hypnotherapists, good chiros like the whole acupuncturist. And so my buddy brought me in. He's like, dude, you got to meet Brian. Like when I was, especially when I was 14 and went into powerlifting, I just knew from that moment, this is something that I wanted to do. Like I knew it was, I feel very blessed and very grateful that it was just something innate. Like I found weights and I found, I honestly can't really explain. Uh, It wasn't something thought, I just felt this is where I'm meant to be. And so he introduced me to Brian, brought me, he's like, you got to meet my boy. And at a young age, I was exposed to how to eat, move and be healthy. And I actually did a trade with Brian. He would, I was competing in powerlifting and he would help me on my nutrition and lifestyle management. And then I would teach him powerlifting. And so we developed a really good relationship. And then he kind of coached me up and I basically became the performance guy. I would say of, of his gym. And he was also the strength coach for a few different colleges and got me in the door to some D, like a D one school, which I was the strength coach. So I first got exposed to Paul check's work there and got to experience it. And then I started taking his courses. And when I was competing years later in kettlebell sport, I had an injury to my left forearm, uh, a compartment syndrome, and no one could figure it out. I spent two and a half years seeking every practitioner I could under the sun good people, I learned a lot about myself, but no one could really solve it, and it was causing me to completely lose feeling in my hand. My forearm would swell up with blood, it was super painful, and essentially they wanted to cut the fascia, or the the connective tissue that cases, the myofascial that cases the muscle, and I was in one of Paul's courses, and I basically, at the end of the course, I had just reached out to him, and I was like, Paul, dude, like, he's pretty much, for those who aren't familiar, he's made his career on solving medical failures, Pretty much, so those cases that no one could figure out from professional sports teams to diseases, et cetera, so he's like he was actually believe it or not, he was the first person or practitioner that I worked with that didn't promise that he could fix me. And I was like, where every guy, and again, they were all great people, a lot of respect to everyone that I work with. but um one of the things that usually the practitioners I was working with like looked at the body through one lens. So whether they were, let's say, a rolfer, which is a great, great modality, can be super beneficial for people, they're looking at it from just the rolfing lens, right? And they feel like that every problem can be solved potentially through that one modality. And maybe that works for some people, but that wasn't true for me. And so Paul was like, you know, I'm honestly not positive, Mike, but, you know, from what you're telling me, he felt around, he asked me some questions, he goes, I do think I can help you, but you need to come down to San Diego. You know, I'd have to get you on my table. I'd have to assess you and I'll do the best I can, but I can't promise you that I can fix you, you know? And so I was like, holy smokes, the first person who didn't promise that that they were going to solve it. And I was like, all right, let's do this. And so I committed to two and a half years of once a month flying down to San Diego, working with Paul for one to two days at a time. Uh, Massive financial investment. You know, I, I dropped out of being in a master's program of um functional medicine and nutrition to fund that and few other sacrifices, but it was the best investment I ever wow. made. Wow.
0: Can I can I I want to dig into that a little bit? I think especially now when during this you know, the recording of this is during, you know, smack dab and hopefully what's the middle of, of a of a global pandemic and People are having to make hard choices about what they commit to, what they spend their time doing, how they want to transform themselves. Can you talk us a little bit about what your thought process was when you decided that you were going to put your faith, time and money into someone to fly down? You said once a month for how long?
1: Usually a one to two day coaching because he doesn't. That's very like focus work, so it's a full day. Usually minimum half day on a quick session.
0: And how many months in a row did you do that?
1: Two and a half years. So you're looking. Wow. You know, something maybe it would be five weeks. Maybe it wouldn't be four weeks exactly, but it would be between three and five weeks at it. You know, I would every intervals like that.
0: How did you know? How did you know that this that that was the right thing to do? What what it went through your mind to decide? You know what? Instead of going through this advanced program that is directly in line with what I want to be and what I want to do in the world. I, instead, I'm going to commit to go down and get treated by this guy once a month for two and a half years. Can you walk us through what, if you can remember, what was going through your mind at that time?
1: Well, like, one of the biggest things that comes up is, you know, for those of you, and and you're very familiar with Paul Check's work, like if you look at, like just someone, just Google him right now, right? Type in Paul Check. Uh, on Google Images, and you'll see. I mean, he's close to 60s; he's in late 50s, and the dude is more jacked than I'll ever be. <laughs> like, and he doesn't take. There's I can t- 100% tell you with full certainty, knowing him, him being a dear friend. There's no steroids, no juice at all in that guy. It is full pure nutrition, sound training, good mental emotional management. Um, and so, you know, I knew that there was the coaching process with Paul is incredibly in depth, it covers, even though I was going to him to help solve an orthopedic or a physical issue, the coaching by no means was just physical, no way, shape or form. And the amount of changes that I went through during that process beyond just the physical, I honestly don't know if I would have been open or willing to elicit that much change if it wasn't with someone who lived eats, sleeps, and breathes as much as he does. Mm. And so it's kind of like, you know, I, I mean, I don't, I don't have children, but you know, you have children, but one things I could speak from even my own father or other mentors, it's like, there's certain things that are said, and then there's certain things that are observed. And as, as children with our fathers or mentors or whoever, it's oftentimes we learn so much more through the observation oh, yeah. of what they're doing. Right. So even though my sessions were were really great with Paul and cre- incredibly skilled on program design and periodization and that sort of stuff, I got as much, if not more, just spending time
0: mm-hmm.
1: with him and observing how he lives and it, 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 you know. So I just knew the way he lives his message. That was the biggest. That was the thing that I felt. That was the like i'm a, i would say i would i'm more of like a heart-centered person so i try to go more with the heart and then the mind as opposed to thinking so much even though i think a lot too but it was just a gut feeling and so i try and tap into that internal sense and it just felt right and um yeah yeah yeah
0: well that's 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 incredible um so so walk me through a little bit what are some of the things that of your teachings that are now, that are now yours, that you put your own signature on, that you have, that you have helped your people. And I mean, and I, and I know that you've helped many, 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 many people with their movement, with their health, with their performance. What are, what are a couple of the key things that, um, that you've learned through those sort of earlier days, uh, working directly with Paul check?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's an awesome question. Um, you know even though people seek me out for movement i would say first like that's that's the door that's most open at least i think in our western culture and in, in the states and stuff like that like people see me lifting kettlebells or teaching or bulgarian bags or band training working whatever and movement is typically what they come in for but um the biggest thing man is it's not just about movement like you know again that is the door that's most open but there's so many things that can support movement and make people better movers that don't have to do with movement. And so like, for example, like even with the the plant medicine work, right? Like um, last year I'd taken a group, uh, like 17 people down to a retreat center in um, me and a buddy Connor Moore down to Saltara. And, you know, I don't have anything to do with the ayahuasca. I wasn't serving nothing like that. But my contribution to the group is one was just organizing people a a great safe space that they can explore this stuff but like I contributed movement. And so what I contributed was a class around um, working in, which is a concept that kind of Paul coined. So energy cultivating activities, think about the combination of movement with meditation. And you can do these working in activities to focus on different zones or different energy centers of the body. So whether it's even spoken or not, or I've ex- like explained it to the to the group or not, how the class is designed is to get people to move and to move their emotions and so at least in my experience a lot of the the medicine work or the inner work doesn't have a movement component and maybe it's just because i'm a mover you know and and i've really resonated with that that i feel like i process so much through movement and so that is um you know people may think that they're doing movement when they come to me or or whatever uh but it's so much more than that so a lot of the like let's say specifically athletes like I work a lot with fighters or fight coaches and so and I'm speaking also from personal experience because a lot of times the injuries I had were due to overtraining and pattern overload and burning out and it's like you got to think too like working out is one component that's the energy expenditure activity that's what we're all super familiar with but it's the inner work that provides the energy the vitality to do outer work and so one of the biggest things that I have to do and had to learn was how to do more working in so that I can, in turn, do more working out and balance. So for me, it's like um, it's 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 about movement, but it's not. And so it's much, much more than that. So that that is, I would say, is and it's a direct influence from Paul and then how I've maybe utilized these working in principles to specific tools. So I'll teach people will do band training and the movements are just beautiful and fluidic and embodied But I'll take them through these working in principles. Like, for example, a working in movement, you should not. uh, And this, again, comes from Paul, but you should not sweat. Your tongue should stay moist. Your heart rate should not elevate. Your respiratory rate should not elevate your digestion. You should be able to do it on a full stomach so you can take these principles, integrate breath with movement. And through some of the tools that I love teaching, you can have a very cool movement exploration and have it leave you more energized as a result.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that's 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 fascinating. And and one of the things that I that I absolutely wanted to get into with you today. This is a perfect segue. Is movement as medicine? Um, we're stuck at home, <laughs> all of us. We are all stuck at home, and so for the people that that love the, uh, you know the the ritual of grabbing their gym bag, jumping in the car, driving to the gym, working out at a, you know, whatever pace that they are, getting, you know, getting their bag and coming home. That's gone, right? That you can't just can't do that right now. And that's hopefully about to change very soon. But not only for those people who are who understand the benefit of the ritual of of preparing to work out, but for the rest of us who don't really go to the gym, um who are either stressed out by watching what's going on in the world or or just you know being at home with our kids and being overloaded like there is so much to be learned from basic movements and how it will help us process the energy that we're dealing with it will help us see more clearly think more clearly love more deeply sleep better all of those things can you can you tell tell me how you think of movement as a medicine
1: hmm you know I was just have you seen the movie um mode the motivation factor by chance I haven't so I'd highly recommend it's kind of tied into what we're talking about but my one of my clients uh really just badass jujitsu guy and he's been trying to get me to watch this movie for like must be like eight months right he's in his 50s intense guy uh Coaches his his kids in this exact same way, but essentially the movement, the movie motivation factor, looks at historically just how soft we've gotten as a country. Like it it takes a look primarily in the 60s and the physical physical education system in the states, and specifically they kind of look at one main high school. uh, I think it's called La Sierra or La Sierra High School. Not yeah, La Sierra High School in, in California you would be blown away at what these kids had to do as normal P.E. Um, One of the tests at the higher level of the students and every student had like eight packs and all this sort of stuff. Can you guess one of them? And I was looking at the testing for this stuff. And I want to see if I can even do it now. They had to carry another classmate on their back. Right. And go like a walk. Take a guess. Take a guess at how long they would have to go for. Now, this is the higher tier, but take a guess.
0: Um, a quarter mile. Okay.
1: Quarter mile. Great. That's, I mean, that would be, that's, That's, that'd be extensive, bro. Five miles without setting a kid down. They would have to tread water for two hours as well. And these are not water polo kids, but this was standard PE in their high school. Like, wow. And it was just so amazing. And they bring in a lot of, you know, medical doctors, scientists, and they talk about these correlations about, you know, what these correlations between mental health, emotional health, academic health, and essentially, like, one of the things that was cur- – like, I was really curious, and this, this was during the, the years of um, – uh, the president's not coming to me, but in the, – they uh, – was, was it Reagan? No. Um, it'll come to me. But the reason why they stopped essentially was, from my understanding, once the Vietnam War happened – there was like politically and stuff like that, anything cause to, to run that type of fitness education, especially cause it's one that can be used with masses. And in fact, they, they also show us a uh, country, don't quote me, it's either like Finland or something like that. Or I think it was, maybe it was the Czech Republic, but they show the same type of physical education run with like a thousand people on a field, all dialed in. And the only way that you can run that type of physical education system and scale it across all these people is it has to be more military style. And so for, from my understanding, anything that resembled a military thing, after the Vietnam War, they didn't wanna do anything for political reasons. But like, when you look at movement as medicine, I mean, you could look at it from many different areas. You could look at it from, like when we talked earlier, the working in focus. Like for me, meditation, and I've shared this with some people, like meditation as, as just a Westerner, I'm Italian kid both my parents are from Italy. Like. Meditation was never something in our household and it always was something that I would see in movies or whatever that looked strange to me and intimidated me. And I was like, man, that looks kind of weird or scary. And, you know, I have, again, Paul and the Czech Institute to thank for bridging this gap between movement and meditation to where you can take simple movements like a squat or something that I was familiar with in the gym and provide these little criteria or like again, as I was mentioning earlier, just integrating breath with movement. And some of the most beautiful aha moments or awareness moments all happened through those working in movements. And so you can look at movement as medicine in that respect. We can also look at it like these kids, for example, who were taught sound movement when they were you know young. And they actually, what's amazing is they interview people later in life who are a part of that La Sera school or those years that they had that education and how many of them are still doing those same 12-minute routines and what it's done for them over the years and people from all walks of life. And actually one gal, um, cause they had testing for these different levels at the school, kind of like a ranking system. And they had closed La Sierra High School right before she was able in her junior year to like take her test. And this is whatever, uh, we're looking at the '60s, 60 years ago, et cetera, she started just bawling, crying on camera And you could see what those things meant to them, and and so I mean, movement as medicine can be looked at it from many different angles. But when I when I see as a country our loss of routine or ritual and these physical practices, like they can spill over in any way, any area of our life to benefit them.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think people are sort of out of out of ideas. You know, maybe maybe you've got equipment at home that you haven't used. You know, if you're a gym goer. Maybe you've got some dumbbells or a jump rope or something kind of sitting in your garage, nice and dusty, that you haven't pulled out in a while. Um, for I, I want to, I'd love to take it further and get some of your ideas because obviously, you know, when it comes to slanging around bags of sand and like <laughs> friggin' battle axes and you know, like uh, this is this is your jam. Like, what are some things that people? can do what, what's what's the maybe the maybe you want to include minimum effective dose sort of activities but for somebody who's like out of a groove they've been home for a while they either were in an exercise groove for a little bit or they just realize, make i have to move i have to move my body i know that i need to i really don't fucking want to but i i should where 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 can people start where should they start
1: oh man that's a great question so i would say the cool thing at least about what i've for just whatever the reason, just gravitated towards has been these unconventional training tools. So kettlebells, I think I've been using for 17 years-ish, Bulgarian bags over 10 years. And uh, if those of you who aren't familiar with Bulgarian bags, check them out. They were developed by the former U.S. Olympic coach in Greco-Roman wrestling. They were developed for creating Olympians. But when you look at what an Olympic wrestler needs to do, move in multiple planes multiple patterns change their level accelerate be flexible be mobile see exact same thing that most of us need to do to live healthy and happy lives so even though it was designed originally for wrestlers there's a massive application to other areas and so band training all these tools it, it only takes one in fact like my kettlebell lifestyle program that we mentioned that you mentioned in the beginning the whole program was designed That not if you just had like a set of one kettlebell, that if you only had one single kettlebell, what could you do? What could you do? And like one Bulgarian bag, I've been using, you know, 90% of all the work I do with a Bulgarian bag is with the same weight, 26 pounds. That's it. So if you know how to use these things, you don't need very much, even a jump rope. So I would say the most important thing, if we were to even take it back a step, is just to move just to move. Body weight is excellent. In my experience, the best exercise probably that anyone could ever do for many reasons, and we can chat about them is simply walking. So a 20 minute walk. And this is something that you can do right when you wake up. First thing that you do create the routine, create the ritual. Uh, For me, one of the differences, I guess, between a ritual and uh, and a routine is a ritual for, for me feels like it has more intention behind it. And so whatever it is, start a 20 minute walk minimum, if you can be, and you are willing, I'd invite you to leave your cell phone at home, go for a 20 minute walk, walk, and you will see your life completely change. It's, it's when you look at like, uh, um, uh, man, Eastern cultures, like the Chinese who were doing Tai Chi in the park and those things, when you look at typically the people who live the longest and longevity, most always the exercise that you see that is common in all of them is walking and walking is a working in activity. That's why when you eat a big meal and you go out to eat, etc., cetera, and you go for a walk to your car, you're like, whoa, feel a little better. You know, you can integrate things. So I would say start with walking every day, minimum 20 minutes. And once that becomes a habit, a habit, an ingrained pattern in your daily life, it doesn't feel stressful, it's supportive, then build off from there. What I tend to see is people try to do too much too fast, and they overcomplicate things. So start with the walk, and then once you have that that routine in place, then build from there. Uh,
0: Perfect, so let's say, let's say, that's that's a low low bar for people to do, and they say, okay, cool, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow Mike's advice. I'm gonna start going for a walk in the morning. Um, then what? Then what's next?
1: Now this is my perspective. Now when I'm looking at movement and longevity in the long term, because again, coming from someone who's been injured and and works with a lot of like helping, kind of, I, I guess you could say like I think where where maybe I serve uh, where my skills can really support people is. Bridging that I can work with higher performance athletes for sure but I really get a lot of love and joy in bridging the gap between when someone's out of like an injury and then someone wants to get to high performance kind of that that bridge there and so you know when you're thinking about it from that respect mobility becomes like one of the biggest things and so when I'm looking at even any movement so let's say like everyone loves uh, like the kettlebell snatch Beautiful movement, total body movement, works the legs, works the back, works the upper body, is gonna get your gas tank going, all those things. But that's a movement that requires specific prerequisites. So before you can do a snatch, you have to look at what is the quality, the range of motion, the joint health of the shoulder. If you don't have good overhead range of motion, stability and flexibility, which a lot of people in our society don't have, then no matter how great, how sexy, how good a kettlebell snatch can be, it's not right for you in that moment. And that's one of the hardest conversations that I have to tell athletes and tell coaches is like, I'm not saying it's a bad exercise. There's no bad exercise. I'm not saying you won't be able to do it, but I'm saying where if you want to be able to do this for the long term, then we have to go back. And so what I would suggest is walking, then progressing into like a joint mobility flow. And that could be something very simple: knee circles, pelvic rocks, spinal roll downs. There's I post on my Instagram a lot of stuff, um, tons of free stuff on YouTube, etc. So I would say a a brief and basic mobility routine. Then from there, then I would go into more dynamic stuff. And to keep it simple, look at total body movements. Look at, for example, like for me, I think like deadlifts kind of get coined as the king of all lifts. I truly believe the squat is the king of it. That's my feeling. But bodyweight squats, just knock those out, you know, whether it's when you wake up in the morning or after your walk, do your 20 minute walk and knock out three sets of 30 or five sets of 30 of body weight squats at a steady rhythm, exhaling down, inhaling up, it's an unloaded exercise, start there. So body weight movements, total body movements, keep it simple in the beginning. So if you think about squats, lunges, presses, so like a push-up. if you can get a pull up bar, do some type of pulling exercise, literally just those things, Those four, a push-up, a squat, a lunge, and if you can, do a pull, a band row or a pull-up, sets of 10 to 20 at an easy pace. You do a circuit like that, back to back to back, three sets of that with a one-minute rest period, and bro, like we're talking, you're good for, for a good amount of time
0: just going to interrupt myself and Mike really quick to remind you of two very, very quick things. The first thing is if you are struggling with emotions right now, if you are out of control and with fear and anxiety, if you are, the uncertainty is really weighing on you and it's stressing you the fuck out, go to stopmethod.com and learn a neuro-linguistic programming technique that I prepared just for you that will help you get rid of that negative emotion forever. I think you know me by now. I think you know that I'm not going to be telling you uh, and directing you towards things that I think are stupid or hokey or ineffective. This thing works. It's really worth you going and checking out stopmethod.com and watching this short video and learning this technique. If you have questions about it, please let me know. I will work with you individually, one-on-one. I give you my word. This is really worth checking out, you guys. It is massively effective for getting rid of negative thoughts, especially fear in this really wacky time, do it. It's worth it. It's free. Go ahead. (laughs) The second thing is the Optimal Performance Podcast website will be here shortly, very shortly, optimalperformancepodcast.com. All of the shows, all of the archives, notes, amazing things, and I've got a special offer coming to you very soon, as soon as I can possibly do it to help you go check it out. So just a little quick preview that the website will be ready. Um, Also, if you wanna see these episodes on YouTube, go to Optimal Performance Podcast on YouTube and just do a search and very likely it will send you to the natural stacks youtube channel because that's where all of the 250 episodes are but the new uh the new podcast channel will have the updated episode so if you want to see me talking to eric godsey with my shirt off go check that out if you want to uh if you want to see mike and watch me and mike have our conversation watch it on youtube and you prefer it that way go to optimal performance podcast on youtube and check that out okay back to the show And I think we have to, I think for a lot of folks right now, it's time to go back to basics. It's time to like really assess where, where am I at? What do I need to do? You know, I'm really glad that you mentioned the mobility stuff before. Yeah. I mean, like going, going big, heavy weight when you haven't done it a while and your shoulders aren't, you know, moving properly. Yeah. That's, that's really great advice. I think that something that, that, that sort of jumped out to me as a reminder I don't remember what it, what it was. It was like a log- it was a longevity assessment based on being able to pick up heavy shit. You want to be able to bend down and pick up your grandkids at 65. that's a practical application of your mobility in your hips, the strength of your core, the strength of your back. Do you, you, does that ring a bell at all for you?
1: That's not the only thing that does ring a bell. And honestly, I'd have to look further in it. I know there's been quite a bit of studies done, if I recall correctly, on grip strength and aging. And so they, they use what's called a hand dynamometer, which is like a super precise grip measurement tool. And I would use it with... Paul, when we were, when we were checking, and this is something I, I, found to be super interesting when I was working with him, like the correlations between, uh, our organs and our glands and the muscular system. And so what I was finding was every specific organ reflexes into a specific muscle group. So as an example, the stomach is on the same channel as the left shoulder, the liver is on the same channel as the right shoulder. And the way that the organs and the glands express and display pain or dysfunction Is they they can express those through the muscles and so if someone has so my issue with my arm was in in the left arm Right and the left shoulder always unstable always issues and we use the hand dynamometer because it was a grip issue To also see how certain things were affecting my grip and not and one thing that we noticed was because I always had gut issues as a kid fungal infections parasites bacteria infection I had H. Pylori stomach ulcers and when I would and at that time it was coffee when I would have coffee and let's say my stomach would get a little irritated, we noticed that my grip would get worse. And so oh. it was just, an it was just, I, I just wanted to bring that up because it was something like one of the biggest aha moments that I had and understand that wow. if we have a shoulder problem and we just treat it from a mechanical lens or we just try to go, uh, you know, maybe that's where we start, but unless it's a direct impact trauma like, I don't know, like I fell down off my bike and I, and I know the specific incident of what caused that issue, usually the root cause is, is, coming from somewhere else. Um, uh-huh. and we have to look deeper. And so that was one big aha moment, but I do recall, and I was thinking about Paul with the dynamometer, there's some type of studies out there and correlation between old age and grip. And so that's the only thing that comes up for me.
0: Yeah. Interesting. So you, you, because you were doing gymnastics, is that how you could tell when you were having gut stuff? that your grip was, was, was failing? No.
1: So in kettlebell sport. So for those who aren't familiar with kettlebell sport, this grip issue didn't show up until when I was competing at a, at a higher level in in the sport. And I was trying to go after there's different rankings. And you could think about like the black belt level is called like master of sport. It's a ranking qualification system. And so I would compete in multiple events, but my event that I really loved was uh, something called long cycle. And so you take, Two 32 kilo kettlebells, so about 72 ish pounds in each hand. And with you cannot set the bells down at all. You have 10 minutes unbroken. So in 10 minutes of an unbroken set without setting the bells down, you swing the bells through the legs, clean them to the chest, and then jerk them overhead. So you do essentially a continuous clean and jerk for 10 minutes with kettlebells about, you know, 144 ish pounds. And your only rest period is here overhead with the elbows locked out or at chest level. Um, so that, 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 that was what I was trying to go for and so my grip would just give out and I couldn't reach at that point until I was rehabbed properly, uh, that that level. And so uh, when I was working with Paul and, and like I was sharing the coaching with Paul even though it was very uh, performance-based, performance is way more, and as you know very well, way more than what you do in the gym and it's what you're eating and, and all the other things that we've chatted about. So we were able to make the correlation between food, nutrition, organs, and then what was being expressed through the muscles and therefore limiting performance. Hmm,
0: I'm just picturing 70 pound kettlebells, 10 minutes straight, swinging through the legs, and then, I mean, Jesus, (laughs) whoa, just blew my mind there. Just trying to wrap my brain around that, Uh, wow.
1: It's, it's pretty. So that's the, that's the professional division. You can compete with lighter weights. And then I also compete with a double 40 kilo bells as well. So 80, uh, what is it? 80 pounds or 88 pounds. I forget exactly. It's been a minute since I did the conversion, but 88 pounds. So double 40 kilos, uh, long cycle or clean and jerk. And I would compete with that in five, in a five minute category, not the 10 minute, but like my, like I would say like my, uh, one of my most like I guess proud moments I guess you could say was when I I was able to hit master of sport in ten minutes with double thirty twos, and then I got uh, I got excited so I came back a few hours later in the competition and entered the double forty kilo category and I became got like I think it was within two reps or three reps or something like that of hitting master of sport in the five minute with the forties in the same day so that was something I was really, really <laughs> stoked about. Yeah. Almost got nice. it. Almost, almost.
0: This is, it's as obvious and low hanging fruit, but how do you think of exercise and movement as a way to manage stress?
1: Yeah. I, and, and I think that motivation although they, they talk more about the productivity and the academic side, I think, but there is a massive correlation between the, the stress response and physical movement. And again, we all process things differently. Um, and I think it's a good question because like, I think there's a fine line that needs to happen. I think movement can be a very good stress relief, but you know, one of the things that I see a lot when people would come into my, my movement seminars, workshops, or certifications, etc., you know, uh, in the Western world, like we're, and, and, and I, I was in this, in this category as well. Like I overtrained, I thought that just pushing, pushing, I'd have a hard day and I'd beat the shit out of a, maybe a punching bag or like have a crazy workout. And I would feel better, right? Endorphins are going, but one of the things it, I think, one of the things that I had to learn over the years was to be aware of like when that was actually supportive and maybe when that wasn't supportive. So movement, we can look at it and we very broadly, right? Do I think movement as a whole can very much help the stress response? Absolutely. But the type of movement is where we really, and the volume and that sort of stuff is where we really got to be careful of. So maybe a walk or a working in thing could be helpful. And sometimes pushing it, yeah, for sure. But if that is our response every time, like I've had so many people come to workshops that literally like massive bags under their eyes and you could just feel and see they're they're just going through a lot. And like, I just wanted to tell them like, I'll refund your money, like just go home, like go sleep. Uh, go just sleep. go to sleep, you know? Like, like, I don't want you, you know, I don't want, so in that respect maybe, Modify the workout a little bit and whatever but you know movement. It's it's you know movement is medicine But we also have to look at like the therapeutic dose because there's benefit like just like anything food can be a Very beneficial thing and food can also be a hindrance, you know sleep Uh, Like all these things it's either if we sleep too too much with most of us in this world don't do enough of it But if you are too yin or do too much like you slept, let's say 16 hours a day. I don't know you would need movement to balance that out. Everything we're talking about is the balancement. And so the movement as medicine idea, it's like we need to find the right doses, the right prescription, how and when to use it. So again, it can be very beneficial, but I think if we ask ourselves a question in that moment and check in with ourselves like why am I moving in this way today? What what would what would be the right approach? Should I do some gentle movement or is today a day where I feel like just ready to crush it and I have the energy I slept good then I can go after it um yeah
0: yeah yeah for those people who are slumping right now who are who are staying at home they're not going to ball games they're not watching any sports on TV they're not they're not seeing friends they're home a lot they're managing work in a new paradigm for those people that that lack that motivation to even get started, they don't know where to start. They don't know what to do. Um, obviously, walking is a simple solution. But I'd love to hear your take on on the on what you what's worked for you or worked for some of your clients to become medically um, mentally um, motivated to just start, just begin. Like, what works What works for you, what works for your clients, and, and what might work for other people, just to get them going?
1: Yeah, so it's funny, you brought this question and I'm gonna show something uh, to you right now on the screen, this came up in a, a group coaching call that I had last night for my Kettlebell Lifestyle program, and the topic was like goal setting, and just getting people started, and right now, most people like, our sense of control is like taken away, and our rituals, and our routines, and the gym, and. Like that sense of community and that extrin those extrinsic met- um, motivations, like right now, we're forced to be intrinsically motivated. And if we haven't had that, it can be really challenging. And one of the things that's worked for me, and again, this is what's worked for me, so keep that in mind, but I found uh, this, which is a whole thing here that I've saved from when I was a child, and I've always been... You know, so Mike is Mike is
0: holding up a basket of notebooks with papers and the thing I mean, it, it looked like it looked heavy for Mike, so it must weigh 700 pounds.
1: So like these these are training logs from 17 years ago, uh, training logs, goal setting logs and I, I just have always done this and you know, I've always been super like I can look at man, this is like just just so many memories when I look through this stuff and I'm looking at I'm, like my PRs, my personal records, what are my goals in the gym? <laughs> like what do I want to achieve? And so what I would suggest and encourage as a starting place, especially if your schedule is thrown off, is to start writing things down. And I, and I do think in whatever way you write things down, amen to you, like that's awesome. You can type it, Google Doc, but there's something at least that I've found, there's a difference between writing by hand and typing For me like when that pen goes to the paper, it's like there's like more emotion in it or it lands or something so The best thing to do is start creating ritual routine and schedule for yourself Print Mm -hmm. out a calendar, you know the out-of-sight out-of-mind Idea or notion for me has always been very true So I would print calendars and have them everywhere on my fridge on my table on my desk when I was a kid man my whole like computer and desks would always be filled. My closet is like, I got like um, uh, an office closet over here, and it's just filled with stacks of post-its. And I've got all the goals and what I want to achieve. And, and so, not just the goals, but the process of how, the developmental small bite-sized chunks that are gonna get you there. And this, these planners from child, look at it, 2005, 2006, 2004, uh, <laughs> like this is, you know, 2001, so this has been a big thing that served me really well was writing things down, creating a schedule for myself. It doesn't take any more than five minutes, record what you did in that day and just start developing that habit and if you can start creating some semblance of structure for yourself right now, it's going to go a long, long, long way for you.
0: Yeah, yeah, obviously, you know, that level of detail of tracking that you've done is probably a little unusual it's probably i mean like it's probably not you're you're on the high end of of tracking and accountability and it works <laughs> it works the output the result of tracking things closely and watching progression and 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 executing on these goals has led you to health performance Wisdom, satisfaction in business, in your in your physical career, in helping people, and making a difference in the world. Uh, that there's there's something that we can all learn from that. You know, if, if you've never written, if you haven't written shit down in months, and you don't have any goals, and you don't know what the fuck you did yesterday, and you don't know what the fuck you're gonna do today or tomorrow, like. It's, it's probably a good idea to write some stuff down. Write, write how you moved. What, what is it? What gets measured gets – what gets managed gets measured. What gets measured gets managed. Um, I, I, I think that that's, that's really great advice. And for folks that, that don't have that inclination, that aren't, aren't oriented in that way of tracking what they do and how they do it, now is the time. Now is the time.
1: A-ho, Aho, aho to that, yeah. And I, yeah. back then, like I didn't know what I was doing. Like I was just writing, you know, I was I was writing writing whatever down, just sets and reps. I'm looking at one from 2002 when I was, you were know, 18 years ago. I'm 33, so do the math, 15 years old. But I wrote stuff down, and I'm telling you, like it was just just that pattern, that habit, like will spill over in everything. Like it started for me in powerlifting and gymnastics and schedule and routine. But just like you're saying. It's had an effect on every other area of my life. So the reason why I loved weightlifting or powerlifting so much as an example is it was a very objective way to measure progress. Like I knew as a kid and would build confidence and all these things just by seeing, okay, this week or this month, like, man, I increased the bench press five pounds and I could see Mm -hmm. progress, more weight, more, more large pizzas on the bar. We used to call the 45 pizzas. (laughs) You know, like more pizzas on the bar was just a massive sense of achievement and progress and confidence and learning and failures and wins and coaching and learning how to be a student. So what's learned in the gym has served me so well. And um, that's definitely something I think that I try and share as much as possible and and encourage and invite people to, to hopefully be open to.
0: I love it. I love it. What are you what are you wildly passionate about right now?
1: You know the uh, everything that we talked about, <laughs> like like <Yeah>. this podcast <laughs> is like, you know, like super super stoked. But um, you know I the the kettlebell lifestyle program that I talked about is essentially uh, I'm I just released the beta phase just right now, and I'll be launching it in a few weeks and. Essentially like what you heard of everything that we've talked about is reflected in that program So it's 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 pretty it's kind of crazy on the back end incredibly complex on the front end very simple and intuitive but essentially one of the things that I learned through working with Paul for example and the injuries was you know I was always trying to be a good student like I'm always to the best of my ability to want to be a good athlete and all this stuff and and I've had some I've been fortunate enough to have some really great coaches and Russians and Bulgarians and and again, I don't believe that there's one way to the top that hasn't been my experience and certain things work for certain athletes and certain mindsets. But in my experience, to a large extent, most programs are overly rigid. And so what happens was is I would get a three month program and I'd be working under a great coach and I no matter what, would not listen to the signals, the symptoms that my body was giving me. And I would push through and push through and push through. Uh. And that's what led to overtraining. And so with Paul and, and one of the things that he implemented was we would do crazy tracking every day on daily readiness assessments and looking at mental, emotional, spiritual, all sorts of stuff. And I'm not saying everyone has to do that by any means. But what I am saying is we utilize that to help Modify the training and where I was in that moment So if I was going through a relationship challenge or I had a fight with someone at work or whatever You would see my stress response change and now we have more like uh, heart rate variability and things like that to measure but essentially what the program does is and I and I don't have technology like a like a watch or anything and I, and I did that on purpose like a five question questionnaire looking at gut health looking at joint health looking at mental emotional health looking at sleep, and essentially, basically, what you check in with your training readiness assessment, your program on that day modifies. And so, if you're super stressed out, it's gonna give you working in recommendations, active meditation, stretching. And so, it's a program that's designed and built around one kettlebell and body weight, and meeting people where they're at in that moment. So, even though it's like a nine-ish week program, it could freaking take you six months and it's going to meet you where you are and teach you how to listen to your body and follow the training suitable for you in that moment. So it, there's breath work, morning routines, kettlebell training. I bring in Paul checks in it like he did lectures on working in and sleep. Um, so it's just a bunch of the, the mentors that I've had over the years and buddies. And uh, again, really meets people dynamically with where you're at. So I'm like over the moon about that program and supporting people as best I can through it.
0: That's cool. Where, where can people, where can people find that or connect with you to get, uh, to get that when it's ready?
1: Yeah. So I'm, uh, most active on Instagram, which is just my name, mike.salemi, S A L E M I. And then, uh, the program, you can just go to kettlebelllifestyle.com and then, uh, you can check it, check it out there what it's about. If anyone has any questions, just please feel free to reach out anytime as well.
0: Awesome. That's fantastic. You know, I like to end each episode with a any, any anything else that that you that you feel called to to speak out or to mention you know before before I la, I ask the last question people know where to find you and this has been a really great conversation with that's both really practical but also really heart centered and and um and your your story is inspiring and the way that you show up in the world, Mike, is really. Uh, you, you attract people because of just being yourself and so I just wanted to honor that in you and, and um, I really dig that about you. Is there anything that you want to speak out before before I uh, ask the last question?
1: I think like what's coming up in this moment, um, you know, because we were talking about writing stuff down and goals and etc. cetera. Like what I would encourage, you know, everyone to do is like, no matter what the goal is, fuck it just don't don't, like go for it in the sense of like it's very easy to be influenced by society or what oh maybe maybe this isn't a good enough goal or i shouldn't do this it's like if you got something you want to go after go all in on it fuck it create the plan create the schedule to support put in the work but don't let anyone tell you you can't do anything because i'm telling you like when i was 15 and or 14 in 2002 i didn't know what i was I know what I was doing. But over time, you know, uh, friggin' 18 years later, it, it's, you know, maybe gotten me somewhere. It's, it's served me some, in, in some way, in some light. So, whatever the goal is, just be willing to put in the work and be honest with yourself in terms of what that's going to take and, and start taking those steps. But don't let anyone tell you you can't do something. So, if you got something you want to go after, just go for it and, and, and do it.
0: That's excellent. That may have uh, you may have answered this uh, this last question already, but um, I'm going to ask it anyway. So uh, what I what I do is is a fill in the blank question, um, and feel free to elaborate on it as much as you want. So if you would fill in the blank, everyone would benefit from knowing
1: breath, breath, yeah, the importance of breath, how breath can be integrated with movements, how breath is healing, how breath is life. When I feel most stuck in my life, I feel like the worst feeling in the world for me personally is feeling stuck. Like feeling, you know, movement as medicine, like life is movement. And when I feel the most down, it's usually when I feel most stuck. And the first thing that I try as best as I can to remind myself is to breathe, everything gets better, everything. And so breath, for sure.
0: Awesome. Mike Salemi, thank you so much for joining me today on the Optimal Performance Podcast.
1: Thanks, brother. Thank you for having me.